0: be reading Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much um, for these words, for this reminder of your goodness. Lord, I pray that during this time that we have to worship together, that we are able to put aside all of the things going on with us, and that we're able to focus on you, bring our hearts closer to you, um, and God elevate and just elevate you during this time that we're here. Lord, please bless this time and bless Joel as he teaches us your word today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
1: Thanks so much, Raquel. So through the month of July, we have been going through this series, The Songs of Spiritual Life. And it's volume two because a few years ago, we, during the summer months, picked up five psalms, and we went through them. And and so this is the second set of five psalms, Songs of Spiritual Life. Why would we do this as a church? Here's why. The psalms are songs, songs. That is, they are like a hymn book for the people of God who for thousands of years have sung these very songs, not only in corporate worship, but also in their day-to-day lives. There are songs here of joy and praise for God hearing our prayers and responding. There are psalms calling out to God. Asking for him to care for us, for him to be our shepherd. There are psalms of repentance where we recognize the ways in which we have failed to live up to what God has called us to do and be. There are psalms of lament, songs that we sing when the reality of injustice, our own relational strife, Our inability to set the world right and how we have to experience it day in and day out that just hurts on the inside. The Psalms invite us to cry out to God in the midst of that. And then there are songs of praise. Songs that invite us to take inventory of what God is doing around us or what he will do and to sing of his praises. So you can see that The reason why we've called this the songs for a spiritual life is because we don't believe here at Mosaics Over Spring that life is just always happy and that's the way you should be as a Christian. That's just not true and not true to reality. And so there are psalms that cover those difficult times of repentance and lament. But then there are also times where you have been delivered when uh, God has entered into your life and brought about good for you. And so there are times where that can cause you to praise, to give thanksgiving to God, to be thankful that even though life is not perfect, he is at work. And that's what we have this morning before us as part of the Songs of Spiritual Life. Now, I'm going to open up, uh, I'm going to invite you to participate in this next section. I'm going to give a food combination, so kids, adults, I want you to think through what I'm saying, and then when I leave the blank, you can feel free to fill it, okay? Okay your participation is invited. Let's say that you are going to make yourself a lunchtime sandwich. You get the bread out, and you get the peanut butter, and then you get the... Jelly, all right, that's good. Or banana, but that's okay. All right, we're, we're rolling, you're getting this, okay? Now let's say you go camping, right? And it's kind of the end of a long day, you've got your tent all set up, right? You get out over the fire, some chocolate, and some graham crackers, and marshmallows. Very good. Now, let's say you uh, have had a long day, and you just want something quick but also cheap, something filling but also accessible as you order a pizza. Then, when you're calling in and you talk to the person, you get ham and Wow, I'm, I'm impressed at the pineapple. Uh, Really good, you guys. You're tracking along. Ham and pineapple for me is one of those foreign things that should never go together on a pizza. So for me, it's ham and sausage, or ham and green peppers, or ham and mushrooms. It's ham and cheese. It's ham and anything else except for pineapple because how do those things go together? And yet, they do. It's a bit non traditional for me, but that doesn't mean it's not good. Paul Breslin is a sensory scientist at the Monell Chemical Senses Center and a professor of nutrition at Rutgers. And he was explaining this phenomenon of ham and pineapple. How in the world did we come up with that? Uh, only in America, right? Ham and pineapple. And uh, how do we think that that's good? And he thinks there's a scientific explanation. His take in an interview that he did for a food magazine a number of years back, he said, how can people put pineapple and ham together on a pizza? Here's what he said. It's two totally different tastes, but they work together to maximize their potential. He says ham is a really fatty food. Just like other meats. And so it tends to leave this like greasy feeling in your mouth when you eat it. And that's not all that undesirable. But when you take the acid of the pineapple... It cuts through the grease so that when those things are combined together, you get the savory of the ham, but the acidic of the pineapple kind of cuts through it just enough to give you that like sweet and tang of the acidity. And so taken together, they give you both the savory and the zing. Now, this is Breslin's case. You don't have to buy it, but he's a scientist at Rutgers. So Psalm 67 is capturing a bit of some ham and pineapple pizza theology. That's what's happening in Psalm 67 because it's taking two elements together that are present in the Old Testament and present in the Bible as a whole, but not really in ways that often go together. At least they don't make the most natural sense. And yet, that Psalm 4, functions as an invitation to consider these separate ingredients and to think through how they go together to maximize the praise of what God is doing in our world. God's blessing for his people in the opening of Psalm 67 was part of the common element. It was what everyone knew. They understood that part of the story. But here in Psalm 67... The psalmist includes the praise that doesn't just involve the people of God, but extends to people from all nations, people to the ends of the earth, people of different tribes and tongues and languages. They all come together, and for the original audience, and maybe for us, it functions as a way to think of these two ingredients that may not always be taken together, but to hear and see how amazing God's work of redemption is, how his blessing for his people works together with the call of praise for all peoples, and how those things, when taken together, maximize our view of God's work in redemption. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning in Psalm 67. We'll do that in a couple of points. The surprising ingredients of praise and the recipe for God's redemption. Now, why pay attention to this? Here's the case I would make to you this morning for why this song of spiritual life has value for you and I, even in the surprising way in which they come together. Because as a church in Montgomery County... As a church, with people working in a variety of places, living in different neighborhoods, our working out of God's redemption is not only something that we do on Sunday mornings here and now, but it is this mix of ingredients of God's blessing and his invitation or call to praise to the nations that we put together that flavoring, Should impact our lives so that we take it together, not just on Sunday mornings when we gather for worship, but in our workplace cookouts, in our backyard hangouts, in our neighborhood, in everywhere we go in life. This is the type of redemptive flavoring that God is inviting us into to not only be familiar with, but to sing together as part of our spiritual life. So first, surprising ingredients of praise. Psalm 67, it opens with uh, echoes to a really familiar passage. Look down with me at verse 1. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. That echoes the lines of Moses' blessing The blessing that the Lord gave to Moses way back in the book of Numbers. So if you like to take notes as part of a sermon, write down Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. That's where we have capturing uh, of the Lord's blessing to Moses that he was to give to Aaron and to his sons as part of the priesthood for all of Israel. It became known as the Aaronic blessing or the Aaronic benediction after Aaron. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. That would be familiar to any of the original hearers of this psalm. That part they would get. That ingredient was common to them. Of course, it's the covenant God who delivered his word to us through Moses, who gave us a priesthood who would advocate on our behalf, and this was a blessing for them and for us. God directed it for those who participated in the life of the people of God. It was a known ingredient. But if this ironic blessing is like uh, the the meat, the savory element, in verses two through four, we get the pineapple of Psalm sixty-seven. We get this surprising inclusion that turns our attention to say, "Oh, wait a second! What, what are you doing here? How do these things fit together?" In verse two, that your way may be known on earth, that. You are saving power. God's salvation would be known among all the nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. There's this rapid expansion going from the common ingredient. Of God's blessing to his people as they travel through their day-to-day life and their worship and the functioning of God's people, there's this rapid expansion to include the ends of the earth. As far as one could know or see or imagine, all of them, let them praise too, let them be invited in, let them be glad, let them know the salvation of the Lord. And this rapid expansion of the blessing of God outward to include all peoples all the way to the nations across the world, that inclusivity was a bit of surprise to the people of God. They, and I think this is just true, and and maybe you don't know it because you may, when you hear nations into the ends of the earth, you may think more favorably of it. We'll talk about why in the second point. But in that ancient Near Eastern world, when the people of God heard nations, the goyim, that was not a favorable ingredient to be included in much of anything. When they heard nations, they heard oppressors. When they heard uh, peoples to the end of the earth, they heard powers and authorities that uh, take our property, our freedom, our livelihood, and send us out on exile. When they heard those outside the people of God, they heard pagan idolaters who don't share our values and don't care about the things that we care about. Obstacles, others, that's what they heard. So that's why it's so surprising when uh, the opening of Psalm 67 leads with the ironic blessing, may the Lord bless you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. This very deeply familiar thing to the people of God, this rapid expansion brings a new mix of ingredients to their life. Wait, what? You're going to include all the nations, all the peoples, all the tribes? How does that fit? This surprising set of ingredients is a part of God's redemption, and it continues for us today. So part of the lesson to take away from Psalm 67, for those of us who would say we're Christians, is to be cautious about thinking about God's blessing too narrowly just for us, the people who are like us. But to do that at the exclusion of others, to not invite others in, to not be in contact, uh, in engagement with others outside, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in the places where we go, with people who are very different from us, Psalm 67 calls us to see them not as the other and uh, not a part of who we are and what we're doing or what God's doing, but as part of the ingredients of God's work of redemption. How can that be? As the psalm goes on, he opens up the recipe for redemption that helps us to see how these things fit together. How is it that we can have both the ironic blessing and all the tribes and nations together? Well, it's part of God's recipe for redemption when in Genesis 12, and you can go read there later, God blesses Abram, makes a covenant with him. It's not just with Abraham, Abram who becomes Abraham. It's not just with his children, although they're a part of it, but it is that he will be a blessing to all the nations. That's the language that gets used there. And so there is this theme that you can track through the Old Testament that includes this vision of the people of God taking the good news of God's redemption to the ends of the earth. That that's a part of the recipe. And that's the sense that we get in verses 5, 6, and 7. Follow along with me. In verse 5, he says, Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you the earth has yielded its increase god our god shall bless us god shall bless us bless us let all the ends of the earth fear him there is this recipe of redemption that maybe starts with abram where he will be a blessing to all the nations but it continues it continues in psalm 67 where people are called to sing of god's blessing All the way to the ends of the earth. It continues in the prophet Isaiah, particularly in the last third of the book, chapters 40 to 66, where Israel becomes a light to the nations, where all peoples are invited in. It continues into the ministry of Jesus where he has an eye not only to bringing about deliverance as the true and faithful Israelite for God's people in the Old Testament, but to open the doors for all who have ears to hear, to come in and to return or turn to God in faith. It continues in the book of Acts with the pouring out of God's Spirit, this undoing of what happened way back in the Tower of Babel where the Spirit is poured out and people begin to talk in different languages, almost a fulfillment not only of the prophet Joel, but of the vision of God's redemptive recipe here in Psalm 67. And it continues into the 21st century today. So part of maybe why it doesn't sound so foreign to us that all peoples and nations, the ends of the earth, would be included is because if you're here this morning, uh, you're a part of all nations and peoples. We are part of the Goyim. We are the nations. We are experiencing this redemptive recipe as the news of God's covenant faithfulness uh, has expanded across culture, nationality, ethnic identity, language, to the ends of the earth. Part of the beauty of a multi ethnic and multicultural church is that we get to experience week in and week out the reality of ham and pineapple together. Now, I'm sorry if you hate ham and pineapple like me. I get there's some risk with running that illustration through, but I think you can follow what I'm saying. Part of the beauty that comes with being a multi-ethnic and multicultural church is we get to experience the reality of the nations, of different ethnicities, of different backgrounds coming together. We get to worship together. We get to sing not only O4000, but here shortly after the sermon in Vini, We will sing praises in another language this morning as part of our worship service because we have the privilege of celebrating this full recipe of God's redemption. That's amazing. If you worship only with people who look just like you, and sometimes that is just what happens for sociological reasons or because of demographic reasons, then you may miss out on just how beautiful it will look when the nations gather to sing God's praise. Here at Mosaic, we get that benefit week in and week out. Don't lose sight or fail to appreciate that reality. But more than just that... This recipe of God's redemption that includes all the nations, it continues to drive our mission. The Hebrew verbs in Psalm 67, they're imperfect verbs. And you don't have to know a lot about grammar to understand what I'm about to tell you. Imperfect verbs, when you take them in Hebrew and you're trying to translate them into English, they can be translated a couple of different ways. They could be translated as a request. Man, I sure hope, God, these things happen. I would like them to happen. Let them happen, I hope. Almost like a prayer. I'd like to see this. Or imperfect verbs could be translated as like a prophetic word. This will happen. Let this happen. Hint, hint, it will. And among the commentators, it's not clear whether when we read about the people praising you, oh God, when the people fearing you, when the people... Uh, engaging both in praise and in thanks whether that's a request ah, we sure hope that the nations hear and come in or whether that's a prophetic word on this side of jesus life death and resurrection we as christians in the 21st century get to continue both senses of those verbs That is, we are not only a part ourselves of the answering of this redemptive recipe song in Psalm 67, but we continue to participate in that, both praying that others who don't know will hear and may come in, and acknowledge that God is at work, not only here in Montgomery County, but beyond. That's why on the back of our worship guide... We have some of the connections to ministries where we are praying, not only do we get to kind of pray thankfulness ourselves for the church that God has brought together here at Mosaic, uh, but we also get to continue to pray for others to come in. So we participate, support, and pray for Port Towns and the work of Aubrey and Danny Edwards-Luce that in the Hyattsville community where they're at, where they're bringing people together across socioeconomic and ethnic boundaries to worship together, we can aid them and pray for them, that that will be a picture of this recipe right there in Hyattsville. We can pray for the work of one of our partners in a major city in India that'll be unnamed. as He uses business ventures to partner together to bring women out of enslavement so that they can participate in this redemptive recipe of God's work. We support him and pray for him to that end. We can support and pray for the work of Paul Frank and SIL LEAD in their efforts to bring about uh, reading comprehension and development across the globe in multiple countries so that people uh, can uh, flourish, And that that's a part of this redemptive recipe. We can pray for Tokyo, Japan. The church planting that's going on in one of the most unchurched places, one of the most non-Christian places in the world. We can pray that the good news of Jesus in his death and resurrection and the pouring out of God's spirit will go forth. That people will have ears to hear. We can pray for that. We can pray for ministries on college campuses like at the University of Maryland and Howard University. For Chris Garriott and for Cyril Chavis, that uh, they would be faithful to bring this news to students in diverse places on campus. That their labor there may connect the good news of God's redemptive recipe to the lives of students who are just now exploring adulthood and beginning to grow up for themselves. We can do that because we experience those imperatives here and now as part of our worship, but we pray for that recipe to be multiplied over and over. Oftentimes when we have people over, we may have a family recipe that really works for us, that we really like. Uh, We know how to cook it well for uh, a party of six. But if you have, like, a couple of families over to your house, you have to figure out how to multiply that recipe. And that's where things can always get tricky, right? How do we write, uh, write the proportions in a way where we keep all of the flavor uh, but have something uh, to serve enough for everyone? That original recipe has to be multiplied. When we sing Psalm 67 and see these ingredients of God's blessing to his people here and now— But this prophetic word of the nations coming in and having ears to hear and seeing God's redemption for themselves resulting in praise for just what God has done through his grace to us in Jesus, that is what we do as a church. We multiply that recipe. We put effort into, not just on Sunday mornings, but in all the elements in the life of the church to say, how can we make this work, not only for the people who are here now, but for our neighbors who are invited in, for new families who show up, for those around us who want to hear, who are wrestling through spiritual realities and say, man, where is their hope? We have room and proportion because of the work of Jesus to offer them an open seat, And to set before them the meal of God's redemption. That's what it looks like for us to continue to navigate our own spiritual lives. Not just individually, but corporately as a whole. So that here in Montgomery County, we can sing with the psalmist both the reality that all peoples praise you. O God, let all peoples praise you. But that we can also sing it as a hopeful prayer for the blessing that comes through the finished work of Jesus Christ, that it will move through Mosaic into lots of cross-cultural spaces and to the ends of the earth, that the good news of Christ's resurrection and life will be made known, that we will invite others because we've got plenty to serve to our table, to eat and to praise. That's my prayer for us as a church. Join me now, and let's ask God to do just that. Our Father in heaven, as we worship today, as we sing songs of praise, as we hear from your word, as we confess our sin and imperfections, as we celebrate at your table, as we think and reflect on your recipe for redemption. gotta ask that you would help us to be faithful, not just individually, although certainly that, but more than that, that we would be faithful as a community to avoid an inward focus driven by fear or the unknown, but that we would invest our time and energy, God, into multiplying our recipe, so to speak, that we would think, how can we make more to invite others in, that they can enjoy your amazing grace. We ask this in Jesus' name, Amen.
0: Amen. I'd like to invite you to rise if you're able to sing with us in Vini.